welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Paul's letter here, beginning in verse 10, chapter 6 and verse 10, he admonishes us to be strong in the Lord, to stand in the strength of the Lord, and to put on the whole armor of God that we would be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And he uses this analogy of the armor, without thinking specifically of the Roman soldier's armor, and he uses uh, those various pieces of armor as an illustration or, or an analogy to our faith and to the various things that God has done for us as believers, things that he has accomplished for us and in us. And he admonishes us to appropriate those things. In other words, to put them into practice, to use them. And so we want to look at this uh, as we continue this morning. Notice with me from verse 10. He says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Fathers, we come to uh, this portion of your word again. I pray that you would, uh, you would help us as your children, that we would stand in your strength. Help us to, to be able to Think about these truths that you present to us, uh, the things that you have done for us and are doing and will do. And I pray, Father, that they would uh, enable us to stand faithful to you, trusting you and living for you in such a way that you get honor and glory from what you accomplish in our lives. We ask and pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, just for the sake of review and uh, some that haven't been with us in this uh, series, let's just review these first three analogies that he makes to this armor. First of all, the belt of truth. He says, uh, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Uh, And we made the point that the Christian who... Uh, hasn't settled in their heart and mind this matter of the truth of God's Word as authoritative is not ready for battle. He's not ready to, to, to wage a spiritual battle. If that uh, truth of God and God's Word is not really settled in their heart, uh, the Word of God is, um, is our final authority. It's not subject to the, the whims of the world and all the changing philosophies and opinions of men. But we see also, and looked last time at the fact that this word truth, uh, as Paul uses here, is also used to speak of an internal quality in the believer. 
truth as in truthfulness or integrity. And we said that it's not enough to hold the truth, but the truth must hold us. In other words, you can imagine you know, this girding up of, a, of the loins or the, this belt is, is like being bound or girded up with truth. So that the word that God has given us, this trustworthy word of God, is not just something that's we, it's external, something that we believe and we say, yes, I believe that. But it's down in our hearts and in our lives and we, we are living it out by God's grace. So that um, we can say that uh, we are walking in the truth as um, we see in the scripture. John talked about that was his greatest joy to see that uh, his children, in other words, those that had come to faith through his preaching, were walking in the truth. Well, secondly, we looked at this breastplate. He says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and the, the, the breastplate obviously being a very important part of the, the soldier's armor to protect him, protect these vital organs the body and so for us as believers he he he, he compares this to righteousness and uh, we saw that there's two aspects of this righteousness in the scriptures there's a first of all a positional righteousness uh, it is our our right standing before God because of our position in Christ in other words those of us who've put our faith and trust in Christ, we are in Him. We belong to Christ. And because of that, we also know that we have His righteousness put to our account. We call it imputed righteousness. The scripture uses that, that terminology. It's, His righteousness is put to our account. It's not our righteousness. It's an alien righteousness. In other words, it's a righteousness that comes from without. It is, it is the righteousness of Christ that's put to us put to our account, and God um, sees us clothed in His righteousness. And because of that, we are, uh, we are in this relationship with Him. We can have confidence in that relationship, and we can stand firm upon that confidence that we belong to Him. It is our, our position in Him. And then secondly, there's this practical righteousness, uh, which is sanctification, the mocking. And this practical uh, righteousness made the point it is not self-righteousness. In other words, it's not, it's not just my efforts to be good or to look good to those around us. Uh, the scriptures you know, condemn this kind of self-righteousness that we accomplish in our own strength, and our own ability. You know, uh, this kind of self-righteousness, it... It is concerned about the outward appearance, but it doesn't deal with the heart. It may look good on the outside, but the heart is untouched. And you know, in scriptures, the, the Lord often often confronted the Pharisees because of their self-righteousness. No, sanctification, this practical righteousness, is empowered by God, the Spirit of God in us. It is the, the, the growth that God produces in us as we put off. Uh, the old self, the sin, the, the, the lust of the flesh, and we put on obedience to
to the Word of God. We submit ourselves to the working of the Spirit of God in our life. That is this growth process that should be ongoing in each of our lives, and it's something that God is doing in our lives to produce uh, a righteousness, a practical righteousness. We're, we're standing in the righteousness of Christ, but we're to put that on. We're to live that out in our, in our daily living. To not do that, to not put on this breastplate, is to really leave ourselves vulnerable to uh, Satan's attack upon us. And Paul warned about that earlier in the letter and he was, he was dealing with this putting off and putting on. And uh, he, he, he admonishes not to, to, to resolve our conflicts, not, to, not to, to, to go to bed or not to let, let them linger. And he says and give, to not give place to the devil. In other words, you give, you give Satan an opportunity to attack our lives spiritually when we are not living in this righteousness, this practical righteousness. Well, then thirdly, there's the gospel of peace, or the good news of peace in verse 15. And shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Uh, you see, before we were saved, we were enemies of God because of our sin. But now in Christ, We've been reconciled unto God. And we, we have peace with God. We have a relationship with Him. We can know Him. And, and because of this fact, because we have peace with God, we're able to live in the peace of God in our daily living. And in the midst of trouble and trial and uncertainty and difficulty, we can experience you know, the, same, the same things that the world experiences, but as believers, we can have the peace of God. The peace of God in our hearts that is able to believe Him. This is the, the good news of peace, that we're able to stand firm in these times of trouble. And we're able to look to God and to know that He is in control. It's the peace of God. And that is... That is so needed in this day, isn't it? So needed in this spiritual battle. We don't have to be uh, all so troubled by everything that's happening around us that, that, that it consumes us. That's the world around us. They're consumed by their circumstances and their troubles. And, and they're just looking here and looking there and, and complaining and, and, um, and just uh, <clears throat> being angry and and, and worried and full of fear and anxiety. But as the believer, we can live in the peace of God, ruling and reigning in our hearts and trusting Him. Well, that leads us to this morning uh, two, two of the, the armor or pieces of armor that Paul refers to in verse 16 and 17. We'll uh, look at, and first of all, is the shield of faith. Notice there, in verse 16, he says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Well, this shield that Paul is referring to was the large, uh, the large shield that the, the Roman uh, foot soldiers uh, carried. They had other, other shields 
uh, a smaller one that the, some used, but these were the large, the, the large shield that was uh, approximately a meter and a half long and about uh, a half a meter or a meter wide. And uh, they were large enough to really give protection to their whole body. Uh, historians teaches that um, the, the average uh, person then was, was shorter than they are today. I think if uh, uh, for, uh, for South Africa, they would probably need a, a little bit bigger shield. <laughs> a little bit longer at least anyway. But uh, uh, that, that was the purpose of this large shield and the Romans used it to good effect. Um, it was uh, big enough that uh, when the enemy would shoot these arrows, and he, he makes the reference here to a flaming arrow, and it was the practice of putting uh, pitch on the tip of that arrow and some type of um, a way to, uh, to ignite it, and then they would shoot these arrows. And the, and the real purpose of that was to really strike fear in the heart of the enemy. You can imagine, you know, hundreds hundreds of arrows coming. The arrow by itself is bad enough, but when, when those would strike something, that pitch would just splatter. And, and the flame, you know, would catch your clothes on fire, burn you. Uh, and these shields that the Romans had was large enough that they could, uh, the men in front could really work together and form a wall uh, against the enemy. And then the second row would take those shields and put them up on above their heads and above the, the, the shields that were in front and so forth. And they could just completely protect themselves together against uh, this uh, attack of the enemy. And that's the image that we have here. And, it, and it's a good reminder that so we as believers are not uh, intended to be in this struggle all by ourselves. We, we must exercise our own faith, but the, the reality is we have also one another in the body of Christ, in the local church, that we can, we can stand together. And, and the faith of, uh, of one person can help strengthen and encourage the faith of another. And, and your, your faith to obey God and live for Him in the midst of trials and troubles is an encouragement to me. And it strengthens my faith. And so, and so forth. And so that is how this shield of faith is to work. It's not just for ourselves, but we are to um, fight together as the body and strengthen one another. You may be, uh, you may be thinking, well, my faith is not very strong. You may, you may have thought, I wish my faith was stronger. And we need to ask the question, what makes faith strong? Uh, we've already seen in this uh, in this section the emphasis on the strength of the Lord and the power of His might. And we are to stand in His strength and what the Lord is, is uh, has provided for us uh, that He that He illustrates here in this section is what God has provided and is is providing and will provide, and we are to stand in that strength. You see, the Lord enables us to have faith, but we must exercise it. We must exercise uh, the faith that we have when, when troubles and trials in life come, when we're, we're uh, tempted to doubt and question 
what God is doing or is is God in control or does God love me or any of those kind of doubtful thoughts and questions that come into our mind, we are to exercise our faith. And when we respond to those troubles and trials in obedience to God, especially when we can't see, when we trust God and, and continue obeying God, even when we can't understand, then our faith is exercised. And when we come out on the other end of that, we can look back and we can see that God did provide. God was faithful to his promises and he did help us. And in that process, our faith is strengthened. Uh, the psalmist wrote, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Something very important to remember and realize is that what makes faith strong is not faith itself, but the object of our faith. It's not a it's not an abstract faith like uh, the person who says, "Well, I just believe everything's gonna gonna work out okay in the end," uh, or just just optimistic, just just hopeful, and I you know I just I just believe it's going to be okay. Uh, no, it's, it's not optimism. Biblical faith is faith in God. Uh, believing and obeying God because we trust Him. And we trust the outcome of His purposes in our life. Whether we get what we want or not, or what, what happens, what we think should happen or not, we're going to trust God. We're going to put our, our faith in Him. You remember the story, possibly in Matthew nine or Mark nine, about uh, this boy that was demon possessed, and the parents couldn't do anything with him. They just trying to protect him because this demon was harassing this child and uh, threatening his life uh, with these seizure-like uh, fits that that he would have. And the father brings this boy to the disciples, but the disciples were not able to help him. They were not able to cast out this demon. And we, we learn in the context that it's because they hadn't prayed. In other words, they, they were trusting in their own ability. Previously, they had, God, God Christ had given them this power to cast out demons. And uh, no doubt they, they feel like, oh, we can, we can just do that. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like I can handle this? Every time that we don't pray, that's what we're saying. I can, I've got this. Yeah. But oftentimes, the Lord allows things in our life that's bigger than, than we are, and we're reminded, um, no, I need God. I can't handle this. I need God. I need Him today. I need Him every day. And we're driven back to prayer. Well, this... Uh, man, and then he comes to Jesus and he says in verse 22, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Well, Jesus turns this statement around to this father and says, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. 
Then immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Can you identify with that statement? I can. Oftentimes, I thought, you know, I believe. I believe you, Lord. But my faith is weak. And that's what this father was saying. I believe, but I'm, my faith is weak. Help me. Help me to believe. Um, and so oftentimes in life, our faith is weak. But God helps us. When we put our weak faith in Him, He enables us. I can remember many years ago, it's been 12 plus years when Daniel came um, when he's still in university and did a bit of an internship here and preached a couple times. And uh, I remember after one of those um, messages, Pam coming and saying, I'm praying that uh, Daniel will be able to come back to South Africa and be our pastor. And uh, I don't remember what I, what I told her. I probably said something like, well, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? But my faith is weak. I mean, there was, a, there was a lot that would have to happen for that to ever come about. And um, it's not that I doubted that God could do it. I just didn't have the faith to really believe it would happen. And now, this, today, we're, we're voting uh, to, to install him as, a, as an elder in the church. And, uh, and so if you have something that you really want to happen, you know, you can go to Pam and get her to start praying for you about it. <laughs> but I want, you to, I want you to think about this, that it's really not great faith that's needed. It's faith in a great God. Amen. Not great faith, but faith in a great God uh, that we need. Because He is able to do all things. And I also thought about uh, uh, Josh and Britt. Uh, they, for several years, they had a plan that they were going to try to come to South Africa. And, and it was more believable that they could actually pull that off. But, I, but it still you know, it was hard to, hard to believe. Maybe we were afraid to believe that they were going to be able to, to do that. But the Lord provided for them. And we can look back upon that. And our, our faith is strengthened. Our little faith. Is strengthened as we as we see God doing what to us often seems like is impossible. So keep trusting God. Keep using uh, the shield of faith to trust Him for what you believe that He is uh, wanting to do in your life. Hebrews 11, if you have your Bibles, I want to read just a couple of verses from there. You remember this chapter in Hebrews 11, this uh, chapter of the uh, of faith that's emphasizing the faith of Old Testament saints. And it kind of goes through a chronology there of, of thinking about uh, different individuals that God used. And he commends them for their faith. Uh, notice in verse 1, Hebrews 11, verse 1, he says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Now, I'm going to stop right there and say hope in the Bible is not a just maybe kind of um, hope. It's, it's trust in what God has revealed. And, and so it's a, 
It's a steadfast and sure kind of hope. So anyway, he says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction, he just says it a different way, same, same idea, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen, what we see in creation, was not made out of things that are visible. He goes on, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, although he died, he still speaks. He says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he had he was uh, he was commended as having pleased God. And notice this uh, statement, verse six. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Uh, that's faith. That's what we're talking about. This shield of faith. It's, it's it's faith in this one, believing in Him, believing that He will do what He said He's going to do. He, he kind of brings that to, to a, a conclusion in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight in the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so that is what he means by taking the shield of faith. It's looking unto the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, He's gone before us. We are following Him into this victory. And as you look at, in this chapter 11, in these different various Old Testament saints whose faith is commended, as you look at their lives, you realize that these individuals are far from perfect. Uh, we have the record of their failures and their lack of faith but as these individuals responded to God in obedience, God blessed and strengthened their faith. Uh, think especially about Abraham as the prime example of, uh, of a, a person who believed God but were weak in faith. We see his doubtings, we see his failures, but we see this growth in his faith and God testing his faith and bringing situations into his life where he was, he was forced to trust God. And the Lord does the same in our lives so that we can grow in our faith and our ability to trust God, to, to have our faith exercised um, in this exercise of trusting God so that it's, it becomes easier to believe Him. It becomes easier to believe His Word. And regardless of the circumstance, as our faith is strengthened, we're able to look back and say, well, the Lord was faithful then, and I believe He's faithful now. 
I could see how he answered prayer there. And I believe that he will answer the prayers today. And so, as believers then, we must exercise our faith to trust him. It is a shield to us which protects us against the attacks of the evil one. As he says here, the flaming darts of the evil one. This is again is a, is a reference to Satan and his working in and through this world system, the philosophies of the world, the, the allurements and the sin that's all about us. And we must use the shield of faith and obedience and dependence upon the, on God. And so he says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Well, the next item that he looks at is the helmet. And take the helmet of salvation. And we don't have to, to think much to realize the importance of a helmet for these soldiers. And they're, they're swinging these big broad swords at each other. And they're, uh, they're trying to, to uh, decapitate the, the opponents. And these, these helmets, they, they were there to protect the head. And, and uh, for us, spiritually speaking, we must protect our heads, protect our thinking. We must be clear about, in our thinking about spiritual matters. Uh, when I when I think about a helmet, I can't help but think about the the football, American football, and growing up uh, playing football. Uh, the, in rugby, you know, some of the players wear these um, headgear. Uh, it's not it doesn't offer a lot of protection though. It's a bit more like the helmet that my dad used to wear when he played uh, football. My dad had a had a leather helmet, a little bit of padding on the sides, but not a lot. And um, but by the time by the time I played football, see, even 45 years ago, those helmets were really good protection. It was it was a hard plastic covering, and on the inside they had many little pockets of a, of a gel-like sub substance, it's probably about that thick, kind of like a, a thick gel material inside, and it really provided a lot of cushion, uh, so that you could. Uh, and you could really, you know, hit your opponent hard or be hit hard, and you could still know where you were. <laughs> and I was on a few occasions, even with this helmet, I got concussed. And I uh, remember one time in particular, I was receiving a, if you know anything about the American football, they, they kick the ball off and you receive the ball, and you're running, and the team from the other, other side is running, and you're both just running, you know, to meet. And uh, so I had the ball and I was running and this one guy just came right through the middle and he was running straight for me. And so I ducked down to try to get under him and he ducked down to get under me and we just hit head on. <laughs> it was like two rams, you know, just ramming together. And so uh, eventually I got up and uh, I said, I'm okay, I'm okay, which way do I need to go? <laughs> 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 it, was like, it was like, you realize the, this helmet is really important. And the helmet that Paul is going to talk about here is really important for us, spiritually speaking. Uh, we must be clear in our thinking about this matter of salvation. We must have confidence about um, our own salvation. We certainly are not able to engage in any kind of spiritual battle if we're doubting and uncertain about salvation. 
In the scripture, we see salvation used in three ways, or three, there's three aspects of uh, spiritual uh, salvation. Sometimes the word salvation is used to talk about a physical deliverance, but, but most of the time it's here, it's, it's spiritually speaking of, of salvation. And, uh, and so first of all, there is this past aspect of salvation. Uh, the devil is, is going to try to mislead you, cause you to doubt about all three of these areas. And, and so it is really important that we have our thinking protected, our heads protected in this, in this way. The past aspect of our salvation is justification. or it's, uh, it's being saved from the penalty of sin. We're justification. We're, we're declared righteous by God because of Christ. It's very closely related to what we just talked about in the positional righteousness. It's because of, of our relationship to Christ that we've, we've trusted Christ. Our sins are forgiven and we are declared righteous. We're justified. That is the, the past reality of salvation. Um, before we were saved, Paul describes in Ephesians 2 this lost condition that we were in, that we're, we're dead in trespasses and sin. But then in verse 4 and 5 he says, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which, uh, great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. That's the past reality of our, of our salvation. We are, we are saved. We are forgiven. And I, and I need to ask this morning, do you have that confidence about your relationship with the Lord? You need to be, you need to be settled on that matter. It's something that God does because of Christ. And if we have Christ, then we are forgiven. We have this salvation. But without, without that confidence, without that hope in a past salvation, unless that's settled, we can't have confidence about a present or a future salvation. Um, in 2, 2 Corinthians 13, in verse 5, Paul there admonishes these believers at Corinth. He says, examine yourselves. They were... Some of them were acting like they were maybe not saved. They were, they were questioning Paul. They were challenging Paul. They were listening to the false teachers. And Paul says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? And, and so we as believers, we do need to examine our own lives and our own hearts. And allow the Spirit of God to, to show us, do we really belong to the Lord? Has this past salvation taken place in our lives? Well then, secondly, there's a present aspect of salvation, that is sanctification. We also uh, talked about, as it relates to uh, a practical righteousness. And this, and this practical righteousness or sanctification is being saved from the power of sin. And so we're, we have a, a present aspect of salvation in the sense that we're being delivered or 
or, or we have victory over sin because of, of what Christ has done for us. We have died with Christ in salvation and we're raised again. Been raised to new, to new life in Christ. And because of that, we have power by God, victory provided by God to live um, for Him and to have victory over sin in our life. Uh, Romans 6, verse 11 and 12, he admonishes there to live in this victory. He says, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. And so that's the, the, this practical aspect of, of salvation, this uh, power to be, be victorious, not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Lord that He enables us by His working the Spirit of God in our life. Well, these, these first two are very closely related, as you've seen, to this matter of righteousness we talked about, the positional and practical righteousness. And so I believe that this third aspect is the one that he really has in mind as, as you think about this matter of our helmet of salvation. That is the future aspect of salvation, which is glorification. One day we're going to be with the Lord. Maybe today. The Lord's coming back. He's going to take us to be with Him. And we'll be saved from the very presence of sin in this future state of, of salvation with the Lord. You see, the past aspect of God's salvation enables us to have a relationship with God. The present aspect of God's relationships assures us that He's continuing His work in our lives. And then the future aspect of this salvation gives us confidence that He's going to finish what He started. This is, the, this is I believe, what Paul has, has in mind mainly as he talks about this, um, this salvation. You see, this in the spiritual battle that we, we wage to live for God, it's easy to become weary. It's easy to get discouraged. This day-to-day -day trouble that we face in life, it's easy to lose sight of the big picture of what God's doing. We can, we can so easily get focused on you know, all the things that are around us and, and we, we, begin, we begin to only see the problems. And it's easy to forget that there's a bigger picture of what God has done what He is doing and what He's going to do for us. And so when we put on the helmet of salvation, it protects our minds against the doubt and discouragement. And it causes us to fix our eyes upon the coming of the Lord and the day that we're going to be with Him. You see, Satan, he wants to, uh, he wants to beat you down, get you ready to give up. Paul wrote about the same thing. And um, 1 Corinthians um, 4, he writes about to not lose, lose heart or to lose your hope. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants you to give up, just quit, just feel like it's not worth it. But as we look to the Lord and remember His Word, we are strengthened 
in our faith. Paul writes about it in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, and verse 8. He says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. That's it. The hope of our of salvation. That's the Lord has promised to us. This is this hope that is confidence. It's assurance. Not because of us. Not because you know we're we're gonna you know be good enough or we're gonna be strong enough. No, it's because of the Lord and what He has done and what He has promised for us. We can have this this sure confidence. In Philippians one verse six he says it this way and I am sure of this, that he who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so again, this, this confidence in the, in the unfailing Word of God, in the power of God to, to accomplish His work. Uh, John writes in, in 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3, he says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know. How do you know, John? He says, we know. And we know by faith. By faith in God, the promise of God. He says, we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. That's the, the hope that we have. It's the, and we need to put on this helmet of salvation to keep our eyes upon the Lord, our hope fixed upon Him and what He is going to do. This is why Christ came. Not just to deliver us from the penalty of sin, but to ultimately save us from the, the very presence of sin and to present us unto Himself. To present us to Himself in splendor and without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That we might be holy and without blemish before Him. And so we have this hope of the future. Uh, and when we're in the midst of the dark times in our life, we can remember there is hope. There's an end to this battle. There's a final victory that's already been won in Christ. And this this remembrance of the truth of God's Word, this hope in Him should encourage us to remain faithful and not give up, not lose heart in the trouble. He says in Romans 13, verse 11 and 12, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Um, it's easy to just be drowsy, isn't it, spiritually speaking? To just drift along. And he admonishes us here to wake up, to be alert. He says, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. This is that future salvation that he's talking about. This hope of eternal, eternally being with God. He says, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. There it is. Put it on. Well, in conclusion, we have the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation to protect us 
against uh, the attacks of the devil as he works in through this world, our own fleshly lusts and desires. We can stand faithful to the Lord if we put on his provision. And here we have faith and the hope of salvation, being with the Lord. Let us follow him. Let's keep our eyes upon him, following him into the victory that he has won for us, that we will be with him in glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father, for this truth that we have that we can hold to. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. Father, many times we are not faithful. Many times we fail. But Lord, because of Christ, we can have forgiveness. We can be cleansed from our sins and brought back into fellowship with you. We thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that we would go forth in your strength, looking unto you, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.